look at this passage tonight, and as we look at this, uh, the, the message that's prepared tonight, and, and the notes that, that have been prepared, Father, I pray you would help me, help this to be uh, a time that we could be encouraged, that we could learn, Lord, but that uh, also it would minister to our hearts, and it would help us. In your precious name, I pray, Amen. amen. Alright, well we're there in Judges chapter number 11. Judges 11. The book of Judges is a pretty interesting book, just all around. But Judges 11 is one of the, I think, a very interesting chapter. You have this man Jephthah. Obviously we read the passage there. He ends up sacrificing his own daughter because of vow that he made. Now that's towards the latter part of the chapter. We're not going to deal with that tonight. We'll deal with that next week. At this time, we're going to deal with the first part of the chapter. And I want you to see a few things about Jephthah. Tonight's going to be very much of a Bible study, uh, very uh, what would be referred to as an expository sermon. We're just going to go verse by verse, and I want to give you a few things to think about. If you look at verse number 1, in Judges chapter number 11, verse number 1, the Bible says, Now Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty man of valor. I want you to understand this. Jephthah, for whatever it's worth, Jephthah was a good guy. And I, and I believe that, and I'll show you uh, a little bit later why I believe that. But he was definitely a man that was used of God. And, and this morning, I talked about the fact that we're going to uh, talk about how to overcome your past. And I want to give you some principles on how to do that from this passage here. But Jephthah was a good man, but you got to understand this. He had a very rough past. He had a very rough upbringing. Look at verse 1 again. Now Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty man of valor, and he was the son of an harlot. Do you see that? The word harlot means prostitute. He was the, the son of a prostitute. He was the son of an harlot, and Gilead begat Jephthah. Now just think about that. Here you have a boy who came into this world. I mean, his, his father was committing adultery on his wife with a prostitute. This prostitute ends up pregnant, and you have this young boy named Jephthah come out of it. Now look, if you're born from a prostitute, you pretty much know that your birth was an accident. You pretty much know that you're a result of adultery. And I can imagine that you pretty much feel unwanted. The interesting thing, usually when, when sin like this happens, you know, the mother is the one that ends up taking care of the child. And you know, in our society today, the dads are the ones that run off and they're the deadbeat dads and leave the woman alone. In this situation, the dad's the one that takes them in. The mom is such a loser, the mom doesn't even take care of them. He goes to live, look at verse 2, and, Gil- and Gilead's wife, okay, this is the actual wife, bear him sons, and his wife's sons grew up, and they thrust out Jephthah. Do you see that? Now they throw him out, because Jephthah is actually living with his dad, and this woman that his dad is married to, that is not his mom. Do you understand that? I mean, this kid has a really messed up life to begin with. And Gilead's wife bear him sons. Could you imagine living in a household where the matriarch, the mother... I mean, could you imagine how this woman was treated, Jephthah, knowing that this is the production of her husband's adultery? And Gilead's wife bare him sons, and his wife's sons grew up, and they thrust out Jephthah. He was hated by his brothers. 
Notice, and said unto him, Thou shalt not inherit in our father's house. They said, you are not going to get an inheritance. You are not going to stick around. Notice, look at the last part of verse 2. For because thou art the son of a strange woman. Now, did Jephthah have anything to do with this? Did Jephthah ask to be born from a prostitute? Ask to be born from the, the act of adultery? Ask to be born? He had nothing to do with it, yet he's the one that ends up being hated for being born, for simply being born. And the truth of the matter is, if Jephthah was born in 2013, the likelihood that he would be aborted was pretty high. I mean, this kid is not starting off very good in life. Look at verse 3. Then Jephthah fled from his brethren and dwelt in the land of Tob. And there were gathered, notice, there were gathered vain men to Jephthah and went out with him. The word vain there means of no real value. It means empty or worthless or idle. Not only do you have this kid growing up in this abusive home where he's being bullied, where he's being uh, probably mistreated, he's getting thrown out of the house, he's not loved, and then, and it's to be expected, he ends up hanging around people, the Bible calls them, there, there's no other way to describe him other than, than vain men. He starts running with the wrong crowd. See, Jephthah never grew up being loved, so therefore, he can't associate with people that have love. He's associating people that are empty, that are worthless, that are idle, that have no value. He's running with the wrong crowd. I mean, Jephthah had a rough past. If you and I knew a young man that had the history of Jephthah, we'd feel very sorry for him. If you and I knew a young man like Jephthah, we would not expect much from him. But you've got to understand this. Jephthah was a great man of God. And let me just show you. Keep your finger there in Judges chapter 11. But go to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter number 11. And Hebrews 11, we've came to it a lot throughout the book of Judges. And it's known as, you know, commentators or people have called it the Hall of Faith. It's where, Jesus, where, where God goes through and explains to us about all these different men that had great faith. And I want you to see, I mean, to be in mentioned in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter number 11 is pretty big stuff. And, and I want you to notice that the Bible says in verse number 32, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32, And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, and of Barak, and of Samson, and I want you to see this, and of Jephthah. Of David also, and Samuel, and other prophets. I mean, do you see how Jephthah was just put in line with men like David, with men like Samuel? In the same passage, with men like Jacob, and men like Joseph, and men like Abraham? I mean, I think God thought very highly of this man Jephthah. Now, he made mistakes, and he did things he should have done. And we're going to talk about that next week. But I want you to understand this. Jephthah had a rough upbringing, and ended up serving God with his life, enough to wear God in the Hall of Fame. So you cannot have this excuse of the way I was raised or my background or you don't know what I've gone through because God can heal those things. And in this passage you can find different principles. And I want to, like I said, it's going to be very much like a Bible study. We're going to go just verse by verse. But I want to give you eight principles that we find in uh, uh, Judges chapter number 11. How Jephthah overcame his past. Number one, if you look at verse 4 there, I want you to notice this. And if you take notes in your Bible... You might want to underline this phrase. The Bible says, And it came to pass, underline this phrase, in process of time. You see that? 
You say, Pastor Jimenez, I've had a rough background. I've had a lot of sin. I, maybe I've been vaccinated. Maybe I haven't done a lot of things in my, in my life right that I should have done. Or maybe, like Jephthah, things were done to you. Jephthah was victimized. He, he was born into a bad home. I have a lot of baggage with me. What can I do? What can I do and still be used of God? you got to understand this, okay? The first thing you need is just time. The Bible says, look at verse 4, and it came to pass in process of time. you got to understand this, and when it comes to Christianity, keep your finger there in, 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 in uh, Judges chapter number 11. Go to James, real quickly. James chapter number 1. If you are in Hebrews... Uh, you're, you're right close to James there. Hebrews, and then you got the book of James. James chapter number 1, and, and keep your finger in James, or put your bulletin or something in James, because we're going to come back to it here a uh, little bit in the passage. But I want you to see this. James chapter number 1, look at verse number 4. James chapter number 1, verse number 4. James 1, 4. The Bible says, But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. you got to understand this. You have to... Patience is that great perfecter. But the problem with patience is that it takes a long time. And we have to develop patience to be able to deal with patience. But to be successful in the Christian life, you have to let patience have her perfect work. you you got to understand this, okay? You, you, you mess up a marriage, you abuse a child, or you're a child that's abused, or you're an abusive husband, or you're an abusive wife, or you're whatever, you messed up your life, and you're coming back and you're trying... It's going to take time to heal those wounds. you understand that? It's going to take time to redevelop relationships. But God can do that, but you understand, it's not going to happen overnight. You're not going to get saved, and the next Sunday, your entire family is just going to come to Christ because of your Christian testimony, because you've been walking with God for three days. It may take three years. It may take 30 years. It may take time, but time is that great. Patience is that great perfecter. Go back to Judges chapter 11. And it came to pass in process of time. In verses 1, in verses 2, in verses 3, we're told all the bad things about Jephthah. But in verse 4 and on, we see Jephthah as a great warrior. We see Jephthah, people are seeking after him. They want his leadership. And what happened between verse 3 and verse 4? Only one thing happened a whole lot of time. You've got to understand, time is a great, patience is the great perfecter. You know what turned Abram, the childless, into Abraham, the, the father of a great nation? You know what, what changed that? Time. Understand that? You read your Bible? Are you, are you familiar with Abraham? You know what turned Jacob, the liar, into Israel, the prince that had power with God and man? Time. You understand what I'm saying? You want to turn David, the little shepherd boy, into David, the great king, the great warrior, the man after God's own heart? What did that for him? Time. Amen. You know what turned Simon, the fisherman, into Peter, the great preacher? Time. You know what turned Saul, the Pharisee, Saul, the persecutor, Saul, into the, one of the greatest men who ever lived, one of the, the, for sure the greatest missionary, probably the greatest preacher who's ever lived other than the Lord Jesus Christ and John the Baptist. You know what did that for Saul? Time. Amen. Time is a great perfecter. And you got to understand, and people used to say this to me and I didn't really get it, the Christian life is not measured in months, it's not measured in years, it's measured in decades. 
Don't be worried about how many years you've been serving God. I'm worried about how many decades I'm going to serve God. I want to make sure I end my life, I end my course serving God. Because time will heal. Time will allow God to work. You know what turned Mark the quitter into Mark the profitable? Remember that story? Mark quit on Paul. Later on, Paul says about Mark, he is profitable for being the ministry. You know what did that for him? Time. And you know what will help you in your Christian walk? Time. You just got to learn to stick with it. You know, we live in this drive-through, microwave mentality society. We want everything done fast. We want God to change us now. We want everything to line up now. Look, sometimes God, the Bible says that God is very long-suffering. And sometimes you just got to learn that if God's going to work on your life, Jephthah, it's going to be. Look at verse 4. And it came to pass in process of time. Learn patience. He said, what do I need to overcome my past? Number one, you need time. What do you need to overcome your past? Number two, you need an opportunity. Notice what happens here. Now this isn't the greatest example of an opportunity, but an opportunity is an opportunity. In verse 4, the Bible says, And it came to pass the process of time that the children of Ammon made war against Israel. And it was so that when the children of Ammon made war against Israel, the elders of Gilead went to fetch Jephthah out of the land of Toph. War came to the land, and that brought an opportunity for Jephthah to be able to be used of God. you got to understand this, and, I, and I, hope, I hope you get this. Did you keep your finger in James? I told you to keep your finger in James, right? Go back to James chapter 2, just real quickly. James chapter number 2. What people need to overcome their past is, yes, they need time, but you know what else they need? Someone to give them a chance. Someone to give them an opportunity. And let me just challenge our church. Verity Baptist Church ought always to be a place where people are given an opportunity to start afresh, to start anew. They should be given a chance to walk in and be able to start over. They, we, we should not look down upon people. We should not judge people. Are you there in James chapter 2? Look at verse 1. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord, the, the Lord of glory... Now, notice, he's not saying to not have the faith. Of course, we should have the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he said, don't have it with, notice the last phrase of verse 1, respect of persons. He says, you ought not respect people. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. We ought to have respect for all people. He said, you ought not have respect for some people with disrespect for others. Look at verse 2. Now, notice, notice the, 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 the example that is given to us in Scripture. For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment. He says, you're having church on Sunday morning, two guys walk in. One guy's got a gold ring, he's wearing a real nice suit, he looks real nice. Then comes another man, and he's just dressed bad, he looks poor, I mean, he can't match. He, he looks like he just came off the street. Look at verse 3. And ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Saying two guys walk into church, one's dressed real nice, one's dressed like they're homeless, and, and we take the, the guy dressed nice and we say, Oh, come out where let's let, let's you know give you this real nice seat right here, right up front. And then the other guy we're like, ah, just kind of sit over there, just get out of the way. Notice, verse 4. Are ye not then partial in yourselves? And are become judges of evil thoughts? Now I, I like how he says evil thoughts. You see that last phrase there, evil thoughts? Do you believe the King James Bible is perfect? 
Every, every word of God is pure. Amen. Every, every word that God puts there is... Because you know why God put that idea there, evil thoughts? Because you and I, we'll read that and we'll think, well, of course, we would never do that. I mean, we would never take someone, you know, from the street and say, here, you sit here on the ground and take this nice guy. We would never do that, but we do it in our thoughts. You understand that? We'd never do it physically, but we see people come in and based on how they're dressed, based on how they look, and our thoughts, we judge them and respect them. God says that's wrong. Everyone ought to be able to walk into this church and just have an opportunity to serve God. Be able to start afresh. Be able to start new. They ought to be able to start over. Maybe they messed up their lives. Maybe they messed up their family. They ought to have a new family right here. Because what do people need to be able to overcome their past? Yes, they need time. But they also need an opportunity. And we ought to be willing to give it to them. Look at verse 4. Are you not then partial in yourselves and are become judges of evil thoughts? Hearken, my beloved brethren. Have not God chosen the poor of this world? Rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which ye have promised to them that love him. But ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Do not they blaspheme the worthy name by the which ye are called? If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. He says, if you love everyone the way you love yourself, you're, you'll, you'll, be, you'll be fine, don't worry. See, we, we put this, you know, if we could just get one millionaire saved, if we could just get one millionaire saved, then, then our church could really take off. Yeah, good luck getting that millionaire to talk. Aren't, aren't the rich people the ones that oppress us? Aren't all the rich people in Washington, D.C. the ones that are taxing us to death? Yep, right. Why are we putting so much emphasis on the way people dress and the way they... Hey, God came to save the poor. He came to save the rich. But you know what? Most rich people won't get saved. That's what Jesus said. We ought not have respect of person. Verse 7, Do they blaspheme that worthy name by which ye are called? All I'm trying to say is this. Go back to Judges 11. Let this place be a place where people have the opportunity to start over. Their wife may not let them start over. Their husband may not let them start over. Their kids may not let them start over. It may take time before they can reestablish those relationships, but they ought to have an opportunity right here. Say, what do you need to be able to overcome your past? You need time. What do you need to be able to overcome your past? You need an opportunity. What do you need to be able to overcome your past? Look at verse number 7. Judges chapter number 11 and verse 7. And Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead, now notice what Jephthah says. And it's a valid question. Did not ye hate me and expel me out of my father's house? And why are ye come unto me now when ye are in distress? Now I think we would all ask that question. But you know what I like about Jephthah? Look at verse 8. And the elders of Gilead said unto Jephthah, Therefore we turn again to thee now, that thou mayest go with us, and fight against the children of Ammon. And be our head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. Now I want you to see this, okay? Look at verse 7 again. And Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead, Did not ye hate me? Talking about what? The past. And expel me out of my father's house. Talking about the past. And why are ye come unto me now when ye are in distress? Now he says, he brings up the past. 
You did this to me. Didn't you kick me out? Why do you need my help now? But notice what they answer. Verse 8. And I'm not defending these people. These people are not good people. But notice what they say. And the elders of Gilead said unto Jephthah, Therefore we turn again to thee now. Do you see that? He's, he's bringing up the past and pretty much here's what they're saying. We can't do anything about the past, but we need your help now. And you know what Jephthah had to decide? Am I going to dwell on the past or am I just going to let it go? And let me tell you something. If you are going to overcome your past, you need time, you need opportunity, but I'm telling you, you need to learn how to let things go. Half the time, the reason we can't get over our past is because we don't let our past go. Half the time, we can't get over our past is because we, we don't need Satan, the accuser of our brethren, to be accusing us. We do a good job at accusing ourselves. Jephthah, Jephthah, the the thought came into his mind, and I understand. But they said, we need your help now, and you know what? He just let it go. He just said, I can't do, there's nothing I can do about the past. Can you learn to say that? There's nothing I can do about the past. It's done. What's done is done. If you can change it, then change it. If you can't change it, then ask God to forgive you and move on. Let's run a couple verses. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. While you're going to 2 Corinthians, let me read this verse for you. Well-known verse. We've seen it oftentimes. Philippians chapter number 3, verse 13. Philippians 3.13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, this is what Paul said, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. you got to forget those things which are behind. Go to. Uh, are you there in 2 Corinthians? Chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Please understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying to minimize the sin of our past. I'm not saying for us to walk up to those that we've heard and say, you got to get over that. There's nothing I can do about that. What I'm saying is this. If it's done, and if you've asked for forgiveness, and if you've asked God to forgive you, and if you realize that God did forgive you, all you can do is move on. But from here on, live right. Are you there in 2 Corinthians chapter 5? Look at verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, that's talking about being saved. Notice, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Jephthah knew how to let things go. Satan's going to want to accuse you and bring up your past. Satan's going to want to attack you. I mean, we spent five weeks talking about it. Do we need to keep talking about it? You say, how do I overcome my past? You need time. How do I overcome my past? You need opportunity. How do I overcome my past? You need to learn to let things go. You know what I have against the psychology of our world? The psychology of our world emphasizes going back into your past. Go talk to a shrink. I've got this problem. Well, let's talk about your childhood. Did your mom make you eat peas? Oh, yeah, she forced me to eat peas. That's the, that's the reason I can't hold down a job. Everything's about the past. Everything's this victim mentality. They teach you, look at yourself as a victim. They teach you, look at yourself as a drug addict. They teach you, look at yourself as an alcoholic. The Bible doesn't teach that. Now you may struggle with drugs, or you may struggle with alcohol, you may struggle with a whole lot of things, but the Bible says you ought to look at yourself as a son of God, as a child of God, as a sinner saved by grace, forgiven. That's the way to look at yourself. If you're constantly looking at yourself as a drug addict, yeah, you're going to go back to drugs. 
true. The way you look at yourself, you just got to learn. Let things go. Go back to Judges chapter number 11, look at verse 9. Say, so what do you got to do? You need time, opportunity, learn to let things go. You need to learn to trust God. Are you there in Judges chapter number 11? Look at verse 9. And Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead. Now notice what Jephthah says. If ye bring me home again, and I... Underline those words. I'm not trying to add anything to the Bible, but if... if you know, a, a good way to read the Bible, especially the stories, you got to read them as if you're hearing this person say this. Can you imagine what Jephthah is saying? He says, if ye bring me home again. Referring to the fact that he, he, he realizes where he's at is not home. I mean, that ought to just make you break your heart to realize this young man was thrust out of his house and he's saying, you're giving me the opportunity to come back home? That's what we should do for people. Give them an opportunity to come back home. Why not look down at people when they, 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 they've been out of church for years and, where have you been? What are they supposed to say to that? I haven't seen you in six months. Where have you been? Well, you know, I've been backslidden. I mean, do you, is that what you want them to say? <laughs> well, you know, I've been strung out. <laughs> I mean, you gotta, we ought to just accept people and love them. Let people know you miss them. Let people know you love them, but don't judge them. And Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead, If you bring me home again to fight against the children of Ammon. Now notice what he says. And the Lord, notice, And the Lord delivered them before me. Shall I be your head? Now notice, he's saying, he's saying, If, if, God, if this gets done, God's going to do it. Jephthah learned to trust God. I don't know if I told you to keep your finger in 2 Corinthians. I meant to. But go, go back to 2 Corinthians. I wrote it down in my notes. Keep your place in 2 Corinthians. But I guess I, I, maybe I didn't say that. Go back to 2 Corinthians real quickly. Chapter 5. Just real quickly. We're, we're almost done. No, actually, we're halfway done. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I told you eight principles. We're on the fourth. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. Look at verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. Very simple verse. I just want you to see it. For we walk by faith and not by sight. If you're going to be successful in the Christian life, you're just going to have to learn to trust God. Because, you know, I, I'm, I'm here to tell you, I, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this to you before, but we're in a spiritual warfare. Have you ever heard me say that? We're in a battle, and it's going to get hard, and it's going to get tough, and there's going to be times that you're going to want to quit. But if you're going to stick with the patience part... You're going to have to learn to just realize that God is in control, have faith in God, believe in God, and let Him take care of it. Say, well, I don't want to do that. I'm just trying to help you how to get over your past. You need to learn to trust God. Go back to Judges chapter number 11, look at verse 10. Judges chapter number 11, verse 10. And the elders of Gilead said unto Jephthah, the Lord be witness between us if we do not so according to thy words. Now look at verse 11. Then Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead and the people made him head and captain over them and, I don't underline this phrase if I were you, I underlined it in my Bible, and Jephthah, notice what it says, uttered all his words before the Lord in Mizpah. So what does that mean? 
Jephthah understood everything he said, and it's going to come back to get him in a little bit, but he understood everything he said. He wasn't saying it in front of men, he was saying it before God. If you're going to overcome your past, we'll go to Proverbs real quickly, Proverbs 15. Proverbs 15. If you're going to overcome your past, if you're going to live righteously from here on, and by the way, you say, well, I grew up in a Christian world. We all have sin in our past we need to overcome. Proverbs 15, look at verse number 3. Proverbs 15, verse 3. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. You know how you and I ought to live our lives? Realizing that God sees you everywhere you go. Realizing that God is with you everywhere you go. We get this mentality, we want to play church. We put on a good show here at church. Get around Christian people. Get around the pastor and the pastor's wife. And we better dress a certain way and act a certain way and do certain things and not do certain things and say certain things. Let me tell you something. God is with you everywhere you go. If you live presently, if you live understanding that the eyes of the Lord are in every place, behold it, the evil and the good. Jephthah understood everything he said, everywhere he went, everything he did, God saw him. And that helped him. To be able to not go back to that sin that God had saved them from. Realizing that Sunday's not for God. Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday. Hey, every day is God's. Every week is God's. Every year is God's. It's all God's. Go back to Judges chapter 11. Say, what do, what do I need to do to overcome my past? Well, you need time. You need an opportunity. You need to learn to let things go. You need to learn to trust in God. You need to learn to live consciously of God's presence and realize that God is with you everywhere you go. You need to learn, number six, to know the Bible. Are you there in Judges chapter 11? Look at verse 12. Now this is interesting. And I want you to to follow with me. Judges chapter 11, look at verse 12. They make Jephthah the head. He's the captain here. And they're going to fight Ammon. And Jephthah does a, a noble thing here. He, I'm not going to go pick that up. Uh, verse 12, And Jephthah sent messengers unto the king of the children of Ammon, saying, Now notice, he sends a messenger, and he asks the king of Ammon a question. What hast thou to do with me, that thou art come against me to fight in my land? So Jephthah sends a message. He says, Why are you trying to fight us? Notice the response, verse 13. And the king of the children of Ammon answered unto the messengers of Jephthah. Notice what he says. Because Israel took away my land when they came up out of Egypt from Arnon, even unto Jabbok, and unto Jordan. Now therefore restore those lands again peaceably. So he, Jephthah says a message. Why are you trying to fight us? The king of Ammon sends another message saying, Israel took our land when they came out of Israel. Now give it back. Now here's the problem. That's a lie. That's not true. Remember, the enemy will lie to deceive you. But Jephthah wasn't tricked. You know why? Jephthah knew his Bible. Look at verse 15. I'm sorry, verse uh, 14. And Jephthah sent messengers again unto the king of the children of Ammon. Notice Jephthah's response. Verse 15. And said, here's what he said unto him. Thus saith Jephthah. 
Notice, Israel took not away the land of Moab, nor the land of the children of Ammon. But when Israel came up from Egypt, and walked through the wilderness unto the Red Sea, and came to Kadesh, then Israel sent messengers unto the king of Edom, saying, Let me, I pray thee, pass through thy land. But the king of Edom would not hearken thereto. And in like manner, they sent unto the king of Moab, but he would not consent, and Israel abode in Kadesh. So here's what he's saying. And, and you can read this in, in, in the, the books of Moses. This is Bible history. Jephthah knew his Bible. The guy says to him, well, Israel took our land. And Jephthah says, that's not what happened. He said, what happened was, we came out of, Israel, out of Egypt, Israel came out of Egypt. We asked if we could just pass through your land. If we could just, and if you read it, Moses says, we're not going to take anything from you. We're, we're going to pay for everything. If we, if we drink water, if we eat any food, we're going to pay for it. We're just going to pass right through. And the king said, no, we don't trust you. We're not going to let you come into our land. Verse 18. Then they went along through the wilderness. So they said, okay, we're not going to be able to pass through the roads, so we're going to travel through the wilderness and compass. That means they went around the land of Edom and the land of Moab and came by the east side of the land of Moab and pitched on the other side of Arnon, but came not within the border of Moab, for Arnon was the border of Moab. And Israel sent messengers to Sihon. So he says, we sent messengers to this other king, Sihon, king of the Amorites and the king of Heshbon. And Israel said unto him, let us pass, we pray thee, through thy land into my place. So they're saying, can we just go through your land? We're just trying to get to the land that God promised us. We just want to use your roads. Verse 20, but Sihon trusted not Israel to pass through his coast. But Sihon gathered all his people together and pitched in Jahaz and fought against Israel. Do you see that? Israel, Moses asked, can we pass through your land? And the king of uh, 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 Sihon, he responds by gathering his military together and going out to fight the children of Israel. These people just came out of slavery. Jephthah is explained to him what happened. Verse 21. And the Lord God of Israel. This is Jephthah explaining to the king of Mo, uh, uh, Ammon what happened. And the Lord God of Israel delivered Sihon and all his people into the land of Israel and they smote them. So Israel possessed all the land of the Amorites, the inhabitants of that country. Here's what you got to understand. Jephthah, I hope you're following along what, I'm, what, what, what this passage is saying. Jephthah says to the enemy, to the king of Ammon, he says, why are you coming to fight against us? Ammon says, because Israel took our land. He's lying to him. He's deceiving him. But Jephthah doesn't get deceived. Because Jephthah's read the Bible. He knows what the Bible says. And he said he knows his history. And he says, no, wait a minute. That's not what happened. We came out of Israel. We asked if we could pass through. You guys wouldn't let us. You guys made us go around and go around and go around. And the last king, we asked if we could pass through. And he came out to fight us. He had a whole military. We were slaves. But God gave us a victory. God delivered the land. He said, we got this land because you came to fight against us. We didn't pick that fight. That's what You know what Jephthah just did? He just schooled this guy biblically. Amen. You understand that? Uh-huh. He says, well, this is what happened. And Jephthah says, no, because in chapter this and in verse this and in verse that, here's what happened. He said, what do I got to do to overcome my past? Learn the Bible? Amen. What did Satan do? We, we, we keep talking about it, and I apologize, but it's just applicable. What did Satan come? He comes to Jesus, and he even comes to him with Scripture. What does Satan do? And what does Jesus do? Excuse me. He schools him with Scripture. It is written. And he's quoting Scripture. So what do I got to do to overcome my past? You got to learn the Bible. 
You've got to develop a personal time of Bible reading. You've got to be faithful to church to learn the Bible. Why? Because it's the only way to overcome your past. Keep your finger there in Judges 11. Go to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Look at verse 11. Keep your finger in Psalm 119. Also, before I forget to say that, because we're going to come back to it. But I want you to see this. Psalm 119. Verse number 11. Psalm 119. I'm sorry, not verse 11. Look at verse number 9. Psalm 119, verse 9. Psalm 119 and verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? How can I cleanse my way? By taking heed thereto according to thy what? Word. How do I heal my past? Take heed to the word. How do I I, uh, get over the past and the sin in my life and all those things? How do I get cleansed? Take heed according to thy word. I'm just trying to tell you, there are two types of Christians in this world. Those who know the Bible and those who don't. You say, how do I become a Christian that knows the Bible? Read it. Study it. Learn it. Be in church. Take notes. Understand it. I don't know if you noticed, but we do a whole lot of Bible teaching around here. You showed up for church from time to time, you might learn the Bible. See, what you need is the Word of God. you got to understand this, though. The Bible says, but we saw, we saw this. Uh, keep your finger there in Psalm 119. Go back to Judges, uh, to Judges 11. Uh, we saw this this morning. I don't want you to go there. John 17, 17. Remember it says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy Word is truth. How do you get sanctified? How do you get cleansed? Through the truth. And what's the truth? The Word of God. First, Second Peter 3.18 says, But grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. God expects you to grow in grace and in knowledge. He expects you to learn. One of the reasons you come to church is to learn the Bible. We're like a school to teach you the Word of God. Except we're better than schools because we don't charge you and there's no test. <laughs> At least not yet. <laughs> Talking about the charging, not the test. <laughs> but notice this. Go back to Judges 11. We got, we got to hurry up. I'm, I'm, on, I'm on point 7. We got 7A conclusion. We're done. Point number 7. You need to learn the Bible. But notice this. Not only do you need to learn the Bible. Okay, because uh, Jephthah just schooled the king of Ammon. On, I mean, they had a Bible doctrines, you know, quiz. And he just, he said, you haven't been reading. If it was Jesus, he would have said, have you not read? <laughs> And that ought to make sense to you if you read the Bible. <laughs> go, to, go to Judges chapter 11. Look at verse number 24. Now notice this. Not only did Jephthah know the Bible, okay, you gotta, and I hope you understand this. I hope that God by His Spirit will help you to grasp this thought. It's one thing to know the Bible. It's another thing to apply the Bible. You can get a whole lot of Bible knowledge, but if you don't apply it, it will do you no good. Jephthah not only knew how to he understand the Bible, he also knew how to apply it. And I like it, because Jephthah kind of starts preaching to this guy a little bit. Look at verse 24. He explains to him what actually happened according to Scripture. Now he says, verse 24, Will not thou possess that which Chemosh... Thy God giveth thee to possess. Chemosh is a false god. Here's what Jephthah says. God gave us this land. Why don't you go possess the land that your God gave you? Oh, that's right. Your God didn't give you a land. 
You understand what he's saying? Will not thou possess that which Chemosh, thy God, giveth thee to possess? So whomsoever the Lord our God shall drive out from before us, them will we possess. He said, he said, look, we didn't take over this land, but when God drives out our enemies, we just possess the land. God gave us this land. What land has your God given you? This is where you go from teaching to application. You guys like the teaching part. You don't like it when it's applied to your life. <laughs> Verse 25. And now art thou anything better than Balak? Going back to the Bible. Going back to a biblical story. He said, are you better than Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab? Did he ever strive against Israel or did he ever fight against them? Do you remember the story of Balak? Remember Balak hired Balaam to curse the children of Israel? And God did not allow Balaam to, to curse Israel. And he says, look, when Balak realized, here's what he's telling him, when Balak realized that God was on the side of the Israelites, he didn't try to fight us, he just moved on. That's what he's saying, look at verse 25. And now art thou anything better than Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab? Did he ever strive against Israel, or did he ever fight against them? While Israel dwelt in Heshbon, and her towns, and Aurora, and her towns, and in all the cities that be along the coast of Arnon. Notice what he says, I like this, 300 years. He said, we've had this land for 300 years. Why therefore did ye not recover them within that time? He said, why is it taking you so long to, to, to come back and, and, and try to get this land if, if we took it from you wrongfully? Wherefore, notice verse 27. Notice he is applying. Wherefore, I have not sinned against thee, but thou doest me wrong to war against me. He's applying the Bible. Now notice, the Lord, the judge, be judged this day between the children of Israel and the children of Ammon. He applied, he, he, he read his text, he made the interpretation, and we know that the Bible is not of any private interpretation, but he explained the Bible, he applied it to their heart, and he, he left there a, a conclusion to try to help him. But notice, just like most preachers, verse 29, Howbeit, the king of the children of Ammon hearkened not unto the words of Jephthah, which he sent him. And that's how most preaching goes. You read the Bible, you explain the Bible, you make the application, and people say, eh, that's not for me. That's what happened. Howbeit the king of the children, verse 28, Howbeit the king of the children of Ammon hearken not unto the words of Jephthah, which he sent him. And he decides to go to war. And they're going to go to war, and we're going to cover that next week. But let me give you one more point. We said, if you are going to overcome your past, like Jephthah, we said, number one, you need to have time. We said, number two, you need an opportunity. We said number three, you need to learn to let things go. We said number four, you need to learn to trust God. We said number five, you need to live consciously of God's presence. We said number six, you need to learn and know the Bible. We said number seven, you need to learn to apply the Bible. Number eight, and this is probably the most important part right here. You need to have the power of God in your life. Are you there in Judges chapter number 11? Look at verse 29. Then, then... The Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. You know what's the difference between the Christian that kind of messes around with church for six months, three years, four or five years, and the Christian that faithfully serves God for 20, 30 years? It's the Spirit of God. There's only so much. Your flesh will only take you so far. Eventually you'll get tired, you'll get burnt out, you'll get frustrated, you'll leave. The only thing that will keep you faithful is the Spirit of God in your life. 
And we have this idea that, well, the pastor better have the Spirit of God in his life. When he's preaching, he better have the Spirit better have... Let me tell you something. Every single Christian ought to have the Spirit of God. The power of God. The Bible says, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon you. You know what that tells me? No matter what your history is, the Spirit of God can come upon you. The power of God can come upon you. Now, now understand this. Okay? Go to, go to Galatians. We're almost done. Galatians chapter 5. Look at verse 16. We're going to look at four verses. We're done. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Uh, and verse number... After first and second Corinthians, you got the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Galatians 5.16 This I say then Notice this Walk in the Spirit Would to God That you and I Would learn to walk Every day In the Spirit of God In the fullness of the Spirit of God The power of God in our lives This I say then Walk in the Spirit Now notice When you walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Pastor Jimenez, how do I get victory over sin? Walk in the Spirit. You won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And by the way, when you're fulfilling the lust of the flesh, you're not walking in the Spirit. Verse 17. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. The Spirit and the flesh are in constant warfare. You ever heard that before? And these are contrary the one to the other. So that ye cannot do the things that ye would. Remember when Paul said that? Well, I tried to get to church, but I couldn't make it. That's because your flesh was in control. Well, I tried to pray, but I fell asleep. That's because your flesh was in control. Well, I tried to read the Bible, but I forgot. That's because your flesh was in control. Verse 18. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. And by the way, you say, what does that mean? That means this. And especially, we as fundamental Baptists, and listen to me, we preach standards, and we preach against sin, and we're not going to stop. But it is easy for us to get in this mentality. I'm an independent fundamental Baptist. So i got to dress a certain way and act a certain way. And I say certain things. And I'm going to say bless God. And I'm going to say good night. And I'm going to you know, put on a tie. And, I, and we get these little rules. I, I'm a lady, so I ought to wear a skirt. And bless God, you ought to wear a skirt. I'm a lady, and I, I need to, my hair needs to look a certain way. And, and, it, and that's fine. Praise God for it. But listen to me. When you are walking in the Spirit, you're not trying to follow a bunch of little laws. Are you, do you see that? Look at, look at verse, verse 18. But if ye be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. I'm not forcing myself to come to church on a Sunday night. I'm not forcing myself to come to church on a Wednesday night. Because it's what a good Baptist does. No, I want to come to church. Why? Because I've got the Spirit of God. When you have the Spirit of God, you're not trying to follow laws. Do you understand that? Gotcha. Now, now, here's what the liberals say. I'm not under the law. I can sin and live like the devil. No. What it means is the law still exists, but I'm not trying to follow the law. I love God. That's what I'm trying to do. Now notice what it says. Verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. You say, how do I know if I'm in the flesh? Well, here are the works of the flesh. You say, how do I know if I'm walking in the flesh? Verse 19. Please grasp this. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Okay? If you're doing these things, you're walking in the flesh. Adultery. That should be pretty standard. Fornication. Most Christians today think fornication is okay. You live in fornication. You're not in the spirit. You're in the flesh. According to Ephesians chapter 5. Uncleanness. Lasciviousness. Talk about lust. Idolatry. Witchcraft. Throw away your Harry Potter book. Hatred. Variance. Saying one thing and doing another. Hypocrisy. That's what it means. 
emulations, wrath, that's anger, strife, that's arguing and fighting, seditions, heresies, envyings, murder, drunkenness, revelings, and, of, and such like. Those, that's what the flesh will bring. Notice what it says though. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in times past, they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now notice verse 22, okay, and I want you to see this. You say, well, how do I know if I'm walking in the Spirit? But the fruit of the Spirit. You see how God does that? He tells you the works of the flesh. Now He's going to tell you the works of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, and against the and against such. Notice, there is no law. You see that? When you're walking in the Spirit, I don't have to force myself to love you because the Bible says I love you. I'm in the Spirit. I'm going to love you. I don't need a law to tell me that. You understand that? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. There's your patience. Gentleness, goodness, faith. There's your shield of faith. Meekness, temperance. You know what the word temperance means? Self-control. Control your tongue. Control your attitude. Control your face. Some of you ought to learn how to do that. Against such there is no law. Now I want you to understand this, okay? Go, go to Ephesians. You're in Galatians? Very next book is Ephesians. We're almost done. You just got, you just got to get this. Ephesians chapter 4. You gotta understand this, okay? Some Christians will, some, some religious leaders will teach this. They'll teach. If you don't have the fruit of the Spirit, then you're not saved. They'll say, every Christian must inhibit the fruit of the Spirit, or else they're not saved. Well, let me show you why that's not true. Ephesians chapter 4, look at verse 30. The Bible says, and grieve not. You know what it means to grieve? If you ever lost someone, you went through a grieving process, you're very upset, you're very somber, you're very sad. The Bible says that we can do that to the Holy Spirit. Notice, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit says, you ought to really go to church on Sunday night. And you say, nah, I don't want to. You're going to get grieved. Holy Spirit says, you really should not be watching that naked person on that television. And you say, ah, I'm going to keep watching. The Spirit gets grieved. You know what this verse teaches me? That you can have the Spirit, but be upsetting the Spirit. So, therefore, not every Christian is going to inhibit the fruit of the Spirit. Because the fruit of the Spirit comes when the Spirit's in control. But you can have the Spirit and Him not be in control. Because the Bible says, verse 30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. So you can have the Spirit, you can be sealed with the Spirit, but you can be grieving the Spirit. You understand that? So just because you have the Spirit does not mean you're going to automatically have the fruits of the Spirit. So the fruit of the Spirit is not a test. That's what, you know, uh, the, the neo-evangelical charismatic movement of today teaches. The fruit of the Spirit is a test of salvation. No, it's not. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the test of salvation. Amen. You say, well, how, what does the fruit of the Spirit prove? That you're walking in the Spirit. And you can be a Christian and be grieving the Spirit. But you still have them. You're still sealed unto the day of redemption. Go to Ephesians, uh, first, first Thessalonians. We're almost, we're almost done. First Thessalonians. Just keep going towards the right there till you get to First Thessalonians. You're going to go past a couple books. First Thessalonians chapter five. Look at verse nineteen. First Thessalonians chapter five. Look at verse nineteen. First Thessalonians five nineteen. Quench not the spirit. So you can have the spirit. The Bible often equates the Holy Spirit to a fire. You come to church. Pastor starts preaching the Bible. Someone starts preaching the Bible. You're listening to preaching online or whatever. You're, you're reading the Bible. And the Holy Spirit, man, He starts getting fired up. 
You start hearing the Bible preach and you start hearing, you ought to be in your Bible. You ought to be faithful to church. You ought to be sowing. You ought to quit drinking. You ought to quit fornicating. You ought to quit this. You ought to quit that. The Holy Spirit's getting fired up. He's telling you, that's the truth. That's the truth. That's the truth. You ought to do that. You ought to do that. And you say, nah, that's not for me. And you, it's like you took water and just quenched the fire. Now here's the thing. You can have the Spirit and be quenching Him. Do you think a quenched Spirit is going to produce in you the fruit of the Spirit? He says, quench not the Spirit. Go to Romans chapter 8. We're done right here. Romans chapter 8. Next week, we'll deal with Jephthah's vow. Jephthah's sin. We'll, we'll go thoroughly with that. I didn't want to try to squeeze that into this. Because there's a lot to say in regards to that. But I want you to understand this. We said, to overcome the past, you need time. You need an opportunity. You need to let things go. You need to learn to trust God. You need to live consciously of God's presence. You need to know the Bible. You need to apply the Bible. You need to have the power of God. Romans chapter 8, verse 37. You ought to... This ought to, this ought to become your life verse. Romans chapter number 8, and verse number 37. Nay, in all things, we are more than conquerors is it because of anything we've done? No. Through Him that loved us. God has already given you the victory. Don't let, don't let the past be an excuse. Well, you don't understand. I have commitment issues because of my past. I'm not minimizing your past. Many people have gone through some things that I, I would hate to have gone through. But God can give you victory over it. God can help you over it. Don't let that be an excuse. Don't let it be bondage to keep you. You can walk, You can like Jephthah, have the Spirit of God on your life. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for allowing us to be able to look at Judges chapter 11, those first 29 verses. And we can learn from Jephthah, and, and obviously no one in the Bible is perfect. Jephthah sinned, and Jephthah did wrong things, and, and we'll look at that next week. But thank you for allowing us to be able to look at those eight principles in that passage there. Eight things that Jephthah did right that helped him to overcome his past. Father, I pray you'd help us. Help us to be walking in the Spirit every day. Help us to be doing right every day. Father, I pray that we would not be like the king of Ammon who heard the message and said, eh, that's not for me. Help us to take these things to heart, to apply them in our lives. Father, we love you. In your precious name I pray. Amen.